Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So uh, in Nebraska, uh, the heartland of America, Mm -hmm. uh, transgender journalism students at a school in Grand Island, uh, Nebraska, were ordered to use the names that use their names that were given at birth because it was considered controversial. They're dead Um, names. They're dead names. And this is at a public school, not some sort of religious parochial school. What what city was it in again, Elliot? Grand Grand Island, Nebraska. Although why would they? There's no islands in Nebraska. I mean, nothing close to it. You know, Rhode Island's not a road nor an island. Discuss. I mean, good point. (laughs) So the school uh, uh, basically tampered uh, tampered down uh, on their view. So these journalists had dedicated... Um, their final issue to LGBTQ stuff as in June, you know, including um, right. an article about the pro- yeah about for Pride Month, um, and the administrators and the school superintendent shut down the newspaper program, mm-hmm. um, which of course infuriated the student journalists and and advocates of the free press. Mm, um, yeah. All because of this, all all because of basically that like them wanting to talk about Pride and 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 students who were trans and just wanted to go by their names. Mm. Um, and the student newspaper had 15 students on staff and had been in print for 54 years. Yeah. Wow. Called the and Viking so they, would they Saga. shut down the newspaper indefinitely? <laughs> uh, I guess at least per the last, per, per that school year. But yeah, I guess so. Wow. That's, yeah. yeah. Well, I certainly speak for this podcast when I say, fuck those students. Know <laughs> your role. I think it is permanent. They call it, they, in an article, they, they call it, it's the, it was the final edition. Wow. That is profoundly insane I, it's so it's i just looked up this uh the the, the community on wikipedia mm-hmm. and it's obviously a fairly rural pretty conservative part in nebraska not yeah. in not as conservative as some parts but fairly quite conservative i'm just curious like if there's an entire like if there's trans kids and and gay kids and there's an entire like staff of the student publication that wants to talk about these issues, I'm sure that there's a demographic within the student body that doesn't mind reading it. Right. So I'm like, is are, are the teachers or the I should say, is the faculty doing this 
sort of preemptively to avoid blowback from the community? Or are do you think that they're the ones who are really the bigots here? I think they're the ones who are the bigots. And I think they're the ones who made a thing of it when they did, did definitely did not have to. Again, it's a student newspaper. It's not it's not a it, it's within the high school, you know, it, yeah. it's for the it's for and by journalism students for yeah. by journalism students for the school. They, I There's mean, 700 students in the class, by the way. The thing is, the school, and this is just what sucks. The school is in the right here in that that they can do this, that they can they can block the publication because of a Supreme Court case that happened. Um, Hazelwood School District versus Colmeyer, which is Hazelwood. I believe that's from my hometown because I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, your home I, state, you mean? Yeah, in St. Louis, it's a St. Louis school district, St. Louis mm-hmm. County School District. Quit bragging. But they, um, the school newspaper there, uh, sued the dis- school district, sued, um, saying that, or students sued, excuse me, uh, that their first amendment first amendment rights were impacted because the school took out certain articles from it, and the Supreme Court decided in 1988 that the schools. Um, held that schools may restrict what is published in student newspapers if the papers have not been established as a public forum. The court also decided that schools may limit First Amendment student, First Amendment rights of students if the student speech is inconsistent with the school's basic educational mission. Wait, so, what, what do you mean public? Wait, say that again about the public forum element of it all? Yeah, so if the <clears throat> newspaper is not um, bought and sold basically as a public oh, forum, is it not bought and sold outside of the school is what I'm assuming that's what that means. Um, oh. Then it's not, they're not bringing in outside voices necessarily to be a part of the debate within the school's newspaper, like a newspaper yeah. would in an op-ed section, et cetera. Yeah. Um, this is a bummer though it is a bummer it sucks it sucks that that's the precedent but there is a supreme court precedent for this and it's it's uh it's shitty because it's all and there's so many instances in the supreme court cases at least of of schools suing and students suing and even the famous one about the, the student not wanting to do the pledge of allegiance and that whole thing and like there's there's so many cases that of course i'm sure there will be a legal case around this as well that students' rights are kind of a murky area. First, yeah, this are kind of murky in the history of the United States, and it keeps happening. You know, the article in the Times talked about how this there was in Florida, in Longwood, Florida. They you have to say Florida, Florida. Mm. Your parents yes. are from there now. You got to say it. Yeah, like, that's right. Too. Your parents live in Florida uh, now. Florida. They live. Are in they Florida. officially in Florida right now, Elliot? Do they go to Boca. They're le- driving on Tuesday. Wow. Wow, I'm sad. Yeah, Sorry, but in me. but in Florida, in in Longwood, Florida, they are, stickers were ordered to be placed over a photo spread in the yearbook showing students protesting a state law that prohibited yeah. class that prohibited uh, don't say gay. Um, uh, stickers were ordered by the school to cover yeah. the yeah. pictures of them. Same thing was happening. And I mean, we've talked about this stuff before. School officials in Arkansas removed a two-page year-in-review spread from a school yearbook that mentioned the pandemic and George Floyd. I mean, I mean, oh my God. Well, that one's particularly of egregious. Course. But the the VP of the board at this uh, for the public schools in um, in Nebraska for for the pup for the school for um, for this school, the vice president said um, that there had been talks of doing away with our newspaper if the board saw something that they deemed inappropriate. But yeah. when he was asked to like, you know, speak more about what that was, he said, "Well." there had been a little bit of hostility among some and it's like some who yeah. mm-hmm. and then he's he did say that there were editorials that were essentially i guess what i would 
I guess what I would say LGBTQ, <laughs> which is like, yeah. I guess that's what an, an yeah. editorial can be LGBTQ. It's, how could a teacher? Oh, sorry, Alan. No, I'm just saying it's wild that like a lot of times we think, and we, we've even brought this up, that it was a public school. But just the sheer fact that it's a public school does not even mean really anything anymore because yeah. school districts aren't necessarily, you know, wed to what the state or the federal government thinks that they should be doing. They often go in the direction of what that local school district board of supervisors or however it's set up in the different communities, what politically direction they are going in, if they make it political. And a lot of school boards, even my hometown school board, I remember they were very political and it was ran by a very conservative man. And because of that, there were certain things, especially LGBTQ related that couldn't be done in the school in terms of what we were doing and what we wanted to do. And it's, it's really not such a public institution anymore. It's more of at the helm of what the school district's board tells yeah, you to, which can to can't do. Which to your point, Brent, is like, how could a teacher, like you, you would think a teacher, yeah. someone in academia, you know, they would they would push for furthering their kids' uh, um, horizons, you know, in, and, horizons and, yeah. and intellectual yeah, yeah. curiosities. But this guy is just maybe not a teacher. Maybe he was just on the board. I, I'm not really sure. But this one point that I thought was really interesting is that one of the kids who was in the class that was one, that was writing on the newspaper, his name's Marcus. He's 18. He's a transgender man. He had to public. He had to publish. Um, he had to publish his articles under his birth name, like his dead yeah. name was Megan, and the school like literally dictated that as he writes an editorial about literally about the "Don't Say Gay" bill, it has to go under his 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 dead name, which is just yeah. such it's a bizarre, so insane. insane, and yeah. un and and truly like mean tactic to 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 but throw again, on a child. You have that in so many states where, you know, transgender people can't get the legal name change, at least yeah. it, it can't be an easy process of getting yeah. the under their actual name that they want to go by and the gender they want they are. What whatever mm. happened to just being like a quiet, respectful bigot? Like if if yeah. you're gonna be like a hateful, <laughs> shitty person, yeah. Yeah. just like fold your hands in your lap yeah. and keep to yourself. And like, why would you like go so far? It really is weird. I know we've talked about this a million times, but like, it really is weird. The obsession that there's a tension you some people for. have with transgender children in particular, yeah. they also become less ravenous when the children become adults. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I feel like the most opposition is from a child, you know, writing an editorial at, in a school newspaper and you're just like, what are you so afraid of? No, no, what, it's what, not even like an article. It's an editorial. Editorial, it's, it's, right. It's insane that, but yet, meanwhile, like at my high school, on our literally on the cover, I think, I believe it was a cover, on the cover of my high school yearbook, <laughs> some straight dude was able to get away with doing that whole like suck it sign. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, God. Like the thing where the dude would like, oh, cross yes. his hands yes, and put it know. over his yeah. dick. Yeah. We know and that made it on. <laughs> My high school. I mean, Alan. <laughs> Alan, I'll t I'll 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 go one crazier. On the front of the high school yearbook of Elliot's high school, he's doing the splits, and he isn't wearing pants. <laughs> what are the splits? <laughs> Wait, splits. He's doing the, the splits. splits. Yeah, make your legs like a pussy on the butt on the ground. <laughs> pussy on the ground. Pop it. Pop it. Pop it. Pop it. <laughs> 
not even joking. We are here with writer and author of Are You Coming? A New York City nightlife newsletter for New York Magazine, which is fantastic, Brock Collier. Hello, Brock. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, a nightlife queen. Nightlife. (laughs) I mean, it's New York City nightlife has such like a a reputation, you know, for being just one particular way. And it's, 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 I'm obsessed with anyone who covers nightlife. I think it's such an interesting thing to cover. Oh yes. I mean, and even though people think there's only one way to do New York nightlife, I mean, there's a lot of different places to party in New York, a lot of really shitty places to party in New York, a lot of really fun ones. I was going to ask, like, just to kind of kick it off then, Brock, let us know, like, what's like a what's like a deep cut way to spend your Saturday night or or something that's like kind of off the wall. That's very New York. You yeah. Know? Someone asked you randomly, like, what should I do? I mean, my biggest recommendation when people ask where they want to go is that I tell them to just go somewhere that they would never go. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you're like a big group of queer friends, then go to that bar in the East Village where all the finance bros hang out after work. Yeah. Like you're not gonna have fun. You're gonna hate everyone there, but yeah. you're going to enjoy, you know, making fun of them and getting drunk. Like get yeah. outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're really when I was in New York, we all three of us we met in New York um years ago. And now we have since abandoned it and left for Los Angeles, where <laughs> there is very little nightlife, at least the nightlife that I remember from New York. Um but when I was in New York, I remember the nightlife was very sort of segregated um, in lots on lots of levels. But if we're just talking about queer and straight, it was mm. very separated. There wasn't much intermingling of queer and straight spaces. And now in recent years, talking with friends and reading some of you know your writing, just in general, it does seem like some straight spaces, probably because of new generation of people in New York, but some queer spaces have like a straight influence on like straight people are coming to queer spaces and to oh yeah i mean i think that happens all the time and people get really you know people are really precious about their nightlife spaces i think i'm less precious about them but there's always like a really fun queer party that suddenly you know it's in brooklyn and you know if it gets some good press you know yeah months later then all the kids are coming in from murray hill and trying to figure out (laughs) yeah i actually i had a i had a weird experience this this very weekend i went to uh, a bar that alan and i had gone to a million times in the past rage which is now under new ownership it's owned by lance bass (laughs) and and a few other people but i used to go on friday nights and i always liked going on fridays to to rage And yet uh, when I went, I when I was walking in, I was like, oh, this is a very straight crowd. This is also in the in the heart of West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I subsequently discovered it was like just fairly gay, but also just loads of straight people with their girlfriends hanging out. And I really have rarely lots of I'm sorry, what? And, and straight guys too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, so so straight men. Like for instance, I bummed a cigarette from a married couple that Ooh, were there, presumably I, go with, home with them. <laughs> well, no, but they were they were getting hit on constantly. Uh, but it was just interesting because I'm like, I mean, I've lived in these huge cities for for a long time, and like, I feel like those spaces are just now starting to. Yeah, it does of, feel kind of new. Yeah. I don't know. I love partying with the straights, though. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Being oh, I at a party is my biggest nightmare. Oh. I'm like somewhere where no one's going to fuck with me and everybody's yeah. doing their own thing. That sounds great. Yeah. I, brought, yeah. I, I remember years ago, I brought my straight boss with, from an old job in New York to Nowhere Bar on 14th Street. And 
I had a buddy of mine who was staying at my apartment, a straight guy from my hometown, St. Louis, who he was also going to meet me at the bar just because we were going to go home together and whatever. And we all hung out at this gay bar, this sort of divey gay bar. And they are, they've since been married for like the past 15 years. Like yeah. they have children. Like I love that like straight people are meeting in queer spaces yeah. and then I'm the conduit to it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's also like a certain, I don't know, something I've noticed is like straight people seeking out clubs or parties that seem queer like i don't know if you've ever been to the house of yes but this kind of burnery colorful like eye glittered spaces with queer performers mm. drag performers and aerial people they love that like it's yeah. almost like uh, this sounds horrible but like queer minstrelly clubs like, yeah i definitely yeah. think i definitely think that's a thing right now and yeah it's a bunch of burners i feel like that in la is like probably like spotlight there's like these parties spotlight or like upston huffin or whatever yeah i but i'm fascinated because uh i love you know your your column is so interesting in that it it it's not just about like parties but it's about like your social life and how you um how you socialize at night in new york and it's just fascinating as somebody you know from new york and, and grew up there but is very averse to like clubs and stuff it's always been super interesting to see how um a how it kind of not just how it works but how it's commented on and i think when i was younger i would read stuff like michael musto's stuff in the voice oh, boy. and that was sort of my like only real framework for things but your column i think feels obviously like it's we've it's a different time it's like a different a different era of course and it feels much more like a uh like Brent was saying like everything feels much more inclusive and, and not you know there's not much of a click anymore or these yeah. clicks anymore but how, how did you find yourself writing about parties and 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 yeah. and, and and like what what does nightlife feel like in New York specifically right now well, so I had, act <clears throat> I never really was a party person. I don't know. I've only been in New York three years. And when mm -hmm. I moved here, I just went to the same shitty gay bars over and over again. Yeah. Um, and then in the middle of the pandemic, I wrote a cover story about underground nightlife pre-vaccines and the kind of like dark days of the pandemic. Yeah. And then after that, you know, kind of got interested in writing about parties as a way of, you know, doing some social commentary, but also writing about young people and what their politics are and how they're hanging out. But what I also wanted to do, and I think what I was not finding at the time in present day nightlife coverage was like, no one wants to read about someone having a great time. Every yes, exactly. <laughs> like, there's nothing where, you know, it's fashion week right now. So all of yeah. the party coverage is like, I went to the Givenchy party last night. It was amazing. And I yeah. had, you know, free cocktails and but like nobody wants to read that no yeah. one wants to feel that kind of homo so i think trying to do you know the actual lived experience yeah how shitty a party can be it's tongue-in-cheek yeah. yeah it's tongue-in-cheek in that it feels like you're not trying to be a uh, um carrie bradshaw <laughs> yeah. you know you're, you're i am like, sometimes <laughs> sometimes so you probably have to but it's just it's so fun it's so um it's so fun to read but i was also <clears throat> i'm also curious excuse me um having been outside of New York for a long time, I mean, I go back quite often, my family's still there, but can you talk a little bit about 
what Dimes Square is. Uh, I wonder if Alan or Brent know what Dimes Square is. Yeah, and I do. You do. No, okay. I don't. Yeah, because the most I've read about it a little bit, and I it's sort of it's kind of it, it's so significant. I wonder how much it impacts your life professionally or personally at all. Yeah. I kind of hate everything about it. It's like it's like the two words that I try not to write constantly and I'm yeah. also to write all the time. I mean, quite literally, it's just this small, you know, triangle block on the Lower East Side um, that has a few bars surrounding it that have, you know, have been growing in popularity and really became a thing that people were talking about during the pandemic, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the people um, around, you know, the kind of Dime Square characters at the time um, were not the most COVID cautious people. So they were posting a lot about what they were doing. Uh -huh. um, and then it kind of just grew and grew from there. But it's also funny because, you know, it's not, there's no central place to be. You know, there's a few bars that people talk about that are Dime Square kind of places, but there's not a club. You know, there's not a Max's Kansas City. There's not a Studio 54. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no central nightlife location to it. So it's kind of funny to me that it's gotten this association with nightlife because to me, the people involved in that scene, whatever it is, because it hates being defined. Right. Um, it doesn't seem that it's never that fun to me. Like, yeah, it also doesn't seem me, in reality. Dime Square is a bunch of like very privileged white yes. straight kids having a good time downtown, which is also oh. interesting because every generation has its own kind of leading downtown culture, mm -hmm. and it's really never to you know. It's usually not this like straight white like nepo baby. It's so yeah. weird. If yeah, it feels like a little indefinable because it's not. Does I mean again? This is just from not even from going. I know there's the restaurant dimes is the restaurant that is sort of like the reason that it's called that. But I can't from the stuff that I've read about it. I can't fully get a read on the vibe other than that it's like a little. It's a little. Uh, covid deniery yeah like, this is not the smallest bit but it feels very oh, sort yeah. of like post-trump privilege like arrogance on display you know what i mean that that's yeah. the privilege so many i'll say it white people have had mm. because of trump to be able to air some of their sort of uh privileged ways out in public on social media and, and it just being sort of like i'm at freedom i can say what i want and do what i want and it, it feels very much influenced by that vibe Yes, I think so. And to me, the, the you know, it definitely has this right wingy kind of strain to it. Yeah. Um, or certain aspects of Dime Square do because Red Scare and Dosh and yeah. so like yeah. those are very much like central characters in that. But I, I don't know. For me, it's been hard to figure out, you know, how much of that is real, how much right. of on how much of that is just sometimes story social media and making things up about it for social viral content that sometimes people want to make more viral. You know, there's there's that element to it as well. I did want to ask you, Brock, though, because you mentioned how like you don't want to write about everyone having fun all the time, which is such a mm. funny thing because that's so true. Like nightlife is about having fun and going out. You're going out at night to have fun and dressed up having the best night of our lives it's a lot of that but yet the underside of it i think uh, that a lot of people know is that like it's you know drunk people throwing up at 3 a.m eating yeah eating like lucifer or lucifer's pizza here but in in new york yeah. you know street pizza and like just going crazy and it's kind of ugly in some places so like when you write about some of the spots that you write about and you kind of add 
you're, you're the truth about mm. some of the situations there. Do you ever find that institutions or bars or places are like, oh no, we don't want Brock to come here and write oh about this place. <laughs> I mean, it happens all the time now. It's there. <laughs> it's so, especially when something like Fashion Week comes around. Yeah. And like the Met Gala this year, I was having a hard time getting into some of the parties because. You know, I mean, for this more celebrity kind of focused ones, like the PR wall is just huge now. Yeah. Like, you know, getting over that, like talking someone into showing you their actual night out. Mm -hmm. Like they just don't want it. I pissed one club off really bad in March because it's the Jane, which is this club yeah. in Greenwich Village in a hotel. A hotel and they right. have this giant disco ball on the dance floor that has been there for like, decades and it's literally falling apart it's not silver anymore mm. and in, in passing i just said you know the disco ball is falling apart i didn't even say you know and they got so angry I mean, <laughs> really? they, they made a whole post on instagram being like the Jane has been covered by a number of serious publications and it's also been covered by the cut um, I was supposed to throw my birthday party there the next week and they pulled out of paying for the deep. Like, people get so upset about these things. Wow. wow. They're, they're but like, again, I think people are really precious about their nightlife and they're really guarded about it. And, you know, they think of it in, in, in some ways it is like it's the community building space, but it's also a late night drug fueled, like messy, gross. Yeah. Like you can't be that serious about it. Yeah. No. I mean, I remember. Oh, go ahead, Elliot. Do you, uh, do you find that, like, I, I, again, my sense might be warped as somebody who lives in LA, but also, you know, still has roots in New York. But is it weird to say that Manhattan feels like geeky? Like, it feels like kind of lame. And, and, and I don't know. I'm, and again, this is all subjective because it comes from my experience. But mm -hmm. it feels like Brooklyn is like central and Manhattan feels like another planet when I'm back. And, I and yes socially, no. I wonder if that, if that, if that feels any at all similar to you, or if that's literally just my own dumb experience. I think yes and no. I mean, I do think downtown Manhattan and Brooklyn and more so even getting to be Queens are the kind mm -hmm. of two central hubs of New York nightlife. Mm -hmm. And one is a little more queer and about dance music. You know, it's all about the DJs. It's all about, house music and techno music and mm, yeah. you know, that. And the other one is about, you know, influencers and feeling a little glitzy and having doors that are a little bit harder to get into and going mm. to bars. And if you yeah. are dancing, then you're listening to, you know, top 40 or ABBA and more <laughs> ABBA, you know? I, still, I yeah. still remember one of my early, uh, one of my first weekends in New York, my uh, New York City when I moved there, my roommate at the time went out with her sister and her sister was really into going to, the, into these, to these clubs. And this was 2006. And at the time, Marquee, they, I'm assuming. They, or somewhere, they, you know, meat packing district, and yes, they had to pay a, yes. they, you know, they waited in a long line. They got looked up and down oh by a bodyguard. God. They had to pay a hundred dollars. Oh my God. A hundred dollars in 06 is a oh lot of money. money yeah. So Brock, what's, I'm just curious, Brock, what's the most expensive like line you can stand in yeah, or exclusive uh, right now exclusive yeah what's the hardest 
Hmm. That's, I mean, right now, I think we're kind of seeing the emergence of like private clubs. Yeah, like, like the super of, elitist. You know, yeah. The mayor is going to this place, Zero Bond, all the time, but you have to have a membership to get into. The mayor. I mean, I can't with that. The, yeah. mayor, oh my God. the mayor should just be going to the Y. Y is hard. The mayor should be at the library. What are you <laughs> yes. doing? Yeah. <laughs> With, I, hanging I out with I, Alan on a Saturday night. Yes, Sorry. hanging out with me at the library. I didn't. I did not know. Like I, I'm, you know, not being there. I don't really pay much attention. But when I was back recently, my friend was like, my friend who's a teacher, a public school teacher in New York, was like, this guy, the mayor, is like a goofball. Like yeah. all he cares about is quote unquote having swagger. Wait, really? Like, yeah. Yes, he talks about yeah. having swagger and like dressing. He's kind of like this bizarro world Trump who's like. Yeah. Wants, it's just all about I photo mean, ops and going to clubs. It's so weird. I didn't know this that. This week, he, he held his own party this week with Anna Wintour at Gracie <laughs> Mansion. Yeah. And, it's insane. You know, in his speech, he calls himself the nightlife mayor. He says, I'm that the nightlife is, mayor. Isn't that is, crazy? But I do want to ask you, because like, you know, shocker, there are millions of people who not listening to this podcast, but who don't live in of New course, York City. Of course. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been <laughs> who who don't who and many people who are listening to this podcast are probably like, I don't live in New York City. Yeah, I don't care. I'm in Iowa, bar. Brent. Yeah. But I do want to say that I I do think that nightlife the impact of New York City nightlife does have an impact on nightlife across the country. Of, without like, a doubt. Just That's like passion, just like yeah. culture, just like et cetera. So I wanted to know like in what ways do you think the modern New York, because I think the the rise of sort of influencers on nightlife was a part of New York that I don't remember. I never really had that experience in New York. And what impact do you think current New York City nightlife is having on sort of not only modern culture right now, but also just in terms of nightlife in other major cities? Mm. That's a hard question. But I do think that the influencers are a key part of it. You know, a lot of people's perception of New York nightlife is what they're posting every night. Um, because in many ways, they're kind of the celebrities that you can brush up against at the club now. Yeah. Whereas at one time, you could go into, you know, Studio 54 and see, you know, Jagger Lanza. riding in on a, right. a white or, or horse. Or club kids. Or club kids. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And now what you see, you know, the the celebrities that you can see out in the wild at the club are these people, these like influencers with a million followers. That is the most depressing thing I've ever so depressing. heard in my life. <laughs> I so cannot depressing. fathom anything more depressing than people going out of their way to see an influencer. Sorry, keep going. I know, but, but you know, but also it, it can be, you know, maybe you want to sleep with them, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, here's my chance to hit on this person mm -hmm. who is also, you know, giving a very rosy colored idea of their night out. I think that's the funniest thing anytime I've ever gone out with an influencer is like, oh, you're not having fun. You're having a horrible oh, time. Yeah. You're getting free booze, but you're having to deal with people walking up to you all the time. And what you post, what I see the next morning from the night before is like, Vast I have different. the night of my life. Yeah. Oh my but God. It also, but it also does kind of remind me too mm. of speaking of Studio 54, like, you know, like the like the Coke grandma at Studio 54, who like everyone was obsessed with that became sort of like, she was almost an influencer in a way that the the gossip of what was happening at Studio 54 and her or the other characters like her at Studio 54 became then what a kid may be hearing or reading something from someone or hearing someone who had been to New York wanting to go to New York just to get into Studio 54 to see Coke grandma or whatever it was. Like, 
to the party monster scene. Yeah, yes. yes. I mean, but that's it though. That that's the biggest thing that influencers are selling is like they're literally selling the idea of New York. You want to come here because they're selling this version of this. They're you know yeah. actually probably doing economic good for the city or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait. So I, I want to ask Alan's question one more time. What it or it maybe in a slightly different way. What would you say is like between the coasts? What is the coolest scene right now? Or what city has like the best nightlife or a couple cities? What are your thoughts on that? No, I do think it's New York. I haven't come out and done the party thing in LA yet. Uh-huh. Um, it's a really hard question though. Yeah, yeah, bro, there, I, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to say, but I, I mean, it would be incredible if if Omaha was like, oh, Omaha. Omaha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> now, I was, Everyone's I was kind of going for like Omaha. some weird deep cut. <laughs> well, no, well, your Brent's personality is such that, yeah, I mean, he, your deaf, Brent was definitely hoping, hoping for some, as I would be, like some bizarre answer of like some strange place that you know about is having this cool underground but like you're in new york i mean yeah you know that suffice to yeah. say york is, that's where you are in so. new york new york does set the standard for nightlife in a lot of ways for the rest of the country and how people i mean so much of the examples because of social media come from new york nightlife and that's just sort of what it is but new york's always kind of been that way even before social media yeah. new york set the standard for so many different things but brock i did want to ask you so you wrote a great essay in uh well for the cut about you know, your pronouns, they, them, and the use and the evolution of your own pronouns and just sort of your own identity in a lot of ways. And it was a really great essay about... It was great. Yeah, just your Thanks. thoughts on... So on, fantastic. And what stood out to me was, you know, you wrote, there's a quote in it that you said you wonder about how, whether sort of like the clunky etiquette around sort of pronouns played a role mm. in your, even your own self-understanding and sort of that, mm. and where you think pronouns will be sort of going in the future and like how we use them. And I wanted to get your thoughts on... Well, like what you think of your, how we use pronouns today. Do you think it's, is it going to be around in a few years or is the president still going to have they, them in the, in the, in the, in his speech on television? I mean, I think probably so. Yeah. I mean, my problem with it really at the end of the day is that not to sound too woo woo, but like my queerness is like something that at many points in my life has been very exciting to me and romantic and mm. fun. And the introduction of pronouns just made everything about, you know, my kind of queer life, like deeply unsexy and mm. unfun and so sterile and dutiful yeah. and like a roadblock to conversation and this thing that I'm having to deal with in my sex life and at work and with my parents. Like it's inescapable in a way that just makes my gender yeah not fun like it's just yeah. so it makes queer fun. it can make queerness not i mean i get that because even when i get asked sort of about my own pronouns i often just say she he they whatever you want like yeah. i just it's to me like part of what's great about being queer is that i don't have to define myself mm -hmm. and i think that was the the best thing about the adoption of even calling ourselves queer because even it wasn't even the past 20 years that people were calling themselves queer they were saying gay lesbian bisexual mm -hmm. whatever yeah and now queer is the and elliot elliot by curious but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like queer is it's it's that's what's so great about it is that it, you are undefinable in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And well, it's great because like, because you said in the in the piece, I worry that in the end, they them is just another dead end that mostly serves to annoy some people and make others feel better about themselves, which is just so it's just such yeah, an interesting point of view. It's, it's yeah. very thoughtful. And it, it speaks to us to, to the three of us too, and that we've always felt 
you know, as friends, we've bonded over the idea of like, of not wanting to be qualified as just one thing because of being gay, you know, being cis and gay. It, it, that this feels like a new uh, an evolution of that where it's like yeah it's it's it becomes a it can become a roadblock and that was a really thoughtful opinion to, to write about i think so and you know i think for a lot of people it's empowering um but again it's annoying i find it hard to believe that anyone involved in the whole like exchanging a pronouns conversation is actually enjoying that <laughs> that's um, right exactly it feels and like i mean in the, in the case of one-on-one conversation you know we could have gotten on this podcast and you guys could have asked me what my pronouns were and then nobody probably would have used them in the course of the <laughs> yeah, conversation right. because yeah. we're all talking directly to each other right um, yeah, right but- yeah, but I also think that, you know, they, them, and non-binariness are also doing the work, like you said, yes. of what queer has done in the past. Like, we're always kind of coming up with these new words. And so many people, you know, who I talked to in the course of writing the story were saying things like, oh, well, you know, the way I, you know, in my mind, the way I think about my gender right now is like faggot. Like, that's the yeah. best way to say it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that Alan, did Alan say that? That was me. Um, <laughs> me. Well, Brock, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Instagram at B Collier and on Twitter as Unhappy Femme and <laughs> out at the club most nights. So yeah, yeah and on, on the cut, New York Magazine's The Cut and uh, and, oh, yes. and subscribe to Are You Coming? It's it's so fascinating. It's even great. even if you're not in New York, it's just a really interesting uh, uh, look into social etiquette these days. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all so much. Yeah, thanks, Brock. And another thing. So this is a great, this is a great, This in the recent tradition of questioning I'm, I'm how weird it is for Brent to wear jeans to the gym or eat dinner at 6 p.m. We're getting uh, such a good canon of Brent weird stories. <laughs> I love this. This this one, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't get this. I don't get why you guys find this so uh, so surreal. But I'm, blew, I'm when I heard it, it it blew. I was thinking about it all I, 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 night I, I, long. Are you are well, all I, night I, long? Okay, let me let me right, let sorry. me tell the story. I mean, it's not that much of a story. Brent. Wait, wait. Uh, maybe I should maybe I should tell the story. Correct? No, 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 okay. no, no. Let me tell the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you try. You're gonna, it's not it's not that much of a story. <laughs> I don't Brent, think Elliot can do it. Brent, Brent had jury duty, yeah. so he packed lunch to go my to sixth jury duty. Time, by the way, my sixth time. Oh my god, you love jury duty, don't you? Well, you I mean, it, right? I, I mean, I do love it, but I don't know why I've been called six times. Yeah, God knows. But anyway, Brent had jury duty. He brought lunch, mm-hmm. as you do if you're going and you're like whatever to the courthouse. Yep, courthouse. He brought a fork from home. It was a metal fork, like any piece of dishware. That of course set off the metal alarm, metal yeah. detector, metal detector. House. Excuse me. And so, <laughs> Brent's <laughs> sorry, solution was to take the board and exit the courthouse and put it behind a garbage can in to hide it to hide it <laughs> to hide, hide it hide the it. Yeah. Board yeah. behind a garbage can in downtown LA, which is disgusting, filthy. filthy. Yeah. <laughs> And then you what I don't remember what you did for lunch. I'm sure you just found a fork, found a plastic fork somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, 
at the end of the day, you found the fork and then brought it home and cleaned it. I, I, yes. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's (laughs) it. This is why I, this is why I don't think it's, so I have. How much was a nice, no, I have a nice set of rose gold silverware and I have eight, eight forks, eight spoons, eight butter knives and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to just throw one in the trash because I wasn't anticipating this. So that's why, like, I mean, you guys are welcome to laugh and make fun. (laughs) It's totally fine. But like, you understand the utility of it, which is, I, I don't feel like I should have to disassemble my set of silverware and have fewer forks and fewer forks, which is fucking annoying when you got to put shit in the, you know, you got to wash something. You always run out of forks faster than spoons. Yeah. Like, like but, but like, aren't you, you, you recognize of... that that's annoying, correct? No, no I don't. Of course, but... I, I, I don't actually, because I feel like, I mean, I, I, I don't buy necessarily expensive silverware, knowing how the process of silverware being lost or being thrown away accidentally or being, you know, fucked up in the food processor or whatever the pro- things can happen. So I have my forks that none of them seem to match in our fork drawer or spoons or whatever. They're all kind of different because over the years you buy more, if you lose whatever, you need sure. something else. And so that's why to me, if I was in that situation, I would just be like, okay, I'll throw away the fork. Like well, I, I mean, and Alan, Alan fork. if I was in that situation with that set of silverware, I would do the same thing. If yeah. I had a motley crew of, of disgusting, <laughs> <laughs> random forks and spoons I've picked up at adds, flea markets over the adds years. To the confusion for me is, why do you have such nice? I mean, you're you you of all the three of us <laughs> who are probably the most sort of like conservative with your money. Yeah, why do you have such nice silverware because I, I because it's like what you use three times a day. I love eight times a day if you have snacks or cereal or whatever. Like, yeah, I I want to have. You know, look, they're not extremely expensive, but I I went out of my way to get plates that I liked. And I went out of my way when I li- started living alone to get silverware that I thought was out of the box and match those plates. And I it's love a, rose gold. a specific color. I do love, yeah, I do nice. love, but. Go ahead, Elliot. For, no, my confusion is not, a. it's not about, it's not about wasting or getting rid of it. I'm just, the idea of, putting it behind a garbage can yeah, and the also- idea of what could possibly happen. Yeah. It is so, it's just so filthy down there. I can't believe, I can't imagine the things that go through my head about what could happen to that fork. Yeah. Realistically, so, yeah, yeah, I know sure. that, I know it's not going to, there's not a million things that are going to happen to it, but it just, I'd be afraid to eat off that fork again. Yeah. Even I, after bleaching I underst- it. I understand that sentiment. This is this is my counter to that. Uh, I touch raw chicken with my forks, and in theory, I could get salmonella from that, and I could die. So you know, you 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 touch what is sort of essentially in the you know the f- foodborne uh, illness industry, you know, is yeah. radioactive, and yet when you put it in the dishwasher, you trust that it is heated to a degree and washed to a degree that all of those germs are gone. And I put, I would put, I recognize how disgusting it is to some, to me, (laughs) putting it behind a trash Uh, can, hiding it behind a trash can. It didn't get covered in urine. That's what I'm thinking. It's behind a trash can. Urine, not salmonella, which urine to me 
like eating urine is a different experience <laughs> accidentally <laughs> getting food poisoning from salmonella like so, that i mean and if urine's your thing no judgment but so i obviously didn't put it in a pool of urine <laughs> but i brought it home i washed it Wait. with a sponge and then i put it again in the dishwasher so i, I washed exactly it twice what i'm going to be getting you which is a the it's beautiful little oh, this and they come it's like a container that you can put your food in and it comes with plastic silverware that you can reuse and it's 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 wonderful I'm throw I, have, in the trash. I have many they're very helpful <laughs> that way you don't have to take your expensive silverware because silverware should stay at the house meaning it's expensive it's for home use and then the to-go use is the ones you have for these things and they're very handy do you not have plastic silverware i do and i forgot to bring it again i just wasn't thinking through that i would be stopped by security right. guards and, oh, of and course. risked for of having course. a fork no. in my in my egg I, salad lunch it's just, it's just funny i think it's just funny how even if it's not i, I think it's, what's funny about it is the idea that is the a, a, the addition of like lo, the uh, application of logic to it where yes i doubt that anything would have happened to that fork i'm of sure course. there was no such thing as a i'm sure no like you know methed out uh, yeah. dirt bag was like rubbing it in his in his asshole no one used but, it to separate their lines yeah <laughs> right, right. right right but i think for me personally i just couldn't imagine yeah touch like like using it ever again in that it just it, it that thing happened to it yeah. and although logically speaking cleaning it i'm sure of course it's clean I just, in my head, I'm just like, I, I can't. A, like, there's a pot that Michael uses to dye fabrics here in the apartment, right? And he, I've used it to cook before, but once he started dyeing fabrics in it, that is now that pot. I cannot cook in it. I can't, even I can't get behind it. it. Yeah, it just, it, yeah. it just throws me off. <sighs> yeah. Well, maybe it's you guys need to see a therapist. Guys, let us know. Let us know. Let us know in the comments of this episode what you guys. Is what, it weird or would, not? Yeah. What would you guys do in this situation if you were in Brent's situation? Again. I want to know what our listeners would do. <laughs> Brent has lost all humor applicable for it. No, but I, I just, I think, all I think, long, my, I think my logic it. is solid, and I just don't think it's that crazy. <laughs> I just don't think it's that crazy, but I love, it's like, I love, I tease you guys both a lot about a lot of things. I love when you tease me back. I love you both dearly. You do not. You do. No, I, I do. just love it. I, I mean, look, love if I, if I'm standing up for what I think is still logical, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand it. up for myself, but you guys are always welcome to tease me back. I just love the visual, the idea of you being like, Bending do down do? behind the trash. What do I do? Back up <laughs> after you leave. That's, that's it. It's just I want to be a security well, guard who watches you, you can't do that. Put it, you couldn't put it in a garbage can inside. They said you have to leave with it right now. Sure. So, so it was like, where, where do I go with the in in the courthouse quickly? I, I don't want to like get in trouble for being late. I can't run home. You know. Yeah, it's and that's just that's just a, that is just wonderful to me. The visual of you being yeah. like, where do I put this fork? And then seeing a garbage can and going there, mm -hmm. <laughs> but not in it, but not in it, <laughs> not in right. it. Right, let's do Brent's let's over do it. Let's get no, then no. <laughs> ready for the next segment. <laughs> what, what would your, your aunt, aunt say? say, Brent? What would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? It sounds like Ellie and Ellen have some pretty ugly, <laughs> pathetic silverware. <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, um, who would read a newspaper in Nebraska? Are there people in Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> How about Aunt Anne? You would say, are there Jews in Nebraska? Yeah, there are Jews in Nebraska. Yeah. My Aunt Anne would say, there's only one nightlife club I go to, and it's Hagen dazs Chocolate Chip. Oh, there you go. <laughs> See y'all at the party. Man. See you at the party. <laughs> See you later. Oh, and by the way, join our Patreon. We keep saying it at the oh, end. Yeah. We need we to keep remember forgetting to say it at the beginning. Let's put it at the beginning. Well, if you guys join our Patreon this week, you will see. This is an exclusive. You will see Brent's rose gold fork. We will post a picture of it <laughs> only on Patreon. <laughs> he, will, he will post the fork that we talked about at length on this episode. So please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash out on the lanai. Or no. I'll, how about this? I'll take I'll take a picture <laughs> of the, the other fork. podcast. That's a different you're making podcast. it worse. Patreon.com slash you're making it worse. <laughs> <laughs>